this podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Rani Shatah. And this is The Beirut Banyan. Thank you for doing this on a really short notice. I think uh, I think I messaged you over the weekend. It may have been Sunday, and uh, you were very generous with your time. And I think people should know that we spent one hour trying to make this happen right now. And that was the uh, the we really like we went in every wrong direction. Turns out it's just a Windows issue. So this is a plug for uh, for Apple technology. Uh, your Windows laptop, we need to throw that away. Anyway, great thing is your internet connection is fantastic. So we can see you. And I know you said you also mentioned that you don't really like to be, be in front of the camera. You prefer being behind the camera. So unfortunately for you, we're going to have to see your face <laughs> for a lot of this episode. Good news is it's going to be mixed in with your photography. So we'll emphasize the photos more than your beautiful face and the lighting is perfect. I'm really glad you're doing this in the Daily Star office as well. I think it speaks to the moment that you're the only person in the office as well. So that's actually, it's, it's important to note. And I think this moment is strange wherever you are on this planet. I'm in New York. It's a deserted city. You're in Beirut. There is coronavirus. And at the same time, people are back on the streets. So let's sort of start with that issue and then we can kind of go back in time and explore your work i want to just get your fresh opinion i know things have been moving quickly the last few days things have been developing rapidly and your in your opinion and your own sort of emotional reaction to what you see happening do you think the protests are back in full force and do you think that the protests that we saw a few months ago that they were just on pause and now people are back and they're more or less picking up where they left off before the coronavirus started spreading? Well, now, at the beginning, uh, in my opinion, protests never never ended. Mm. They were only on pause because of the coronavirus lockdown. And they were a bit low in uh, attendance because of the financial situation and the economic situation. Mm-hmm. So I understand that people might not have money to come down to the streets but people need to make a living need to go to work to 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 get money for their daily life yeah now protests are back they are not as uh, as big as they were in october or november uh, for me personally i think it's because of still of the coronavirus fear so people are uh, Staying home, staying safe, because it's a it's a dangerous disease, dangerous virus. So, so it could do, be contacted very quickly. Do Do you think people are 
that the, the numbers are not extremely large because of the coronavirus, that yeah. more people would have been on the street now had there not been that issue? Yeah, yeah, because people mm. contact me every day and ask me, like, uh, oh, stay safe, uh, we see you, uh, we see you are, like, uh, uh, merging with people. So people always ask me, like, uh, you have to stay safe, you're going through people, you're meeting people every day. Yeah. And for me personally, I'm taking all the protection required. Face mask, uh, gloves, hand sanitizers, everything. Oh, so when you go and out and you take, f- you're, you are protecting yourself as much yeah, as you can. Yeah, I'm always wearing a face mask. Gloves. Yeah. I'm not, uh, not touching people except maybe people I know. Or like yeah. I know how, how they live and uh, if they are dealing with the virus the same way I'm doing. Right, right. So it's easier for me to be able to, to, to talk to them normally. You know, I, uh, the reason I'm asking you about these kinds of moments that you're, that you're experiencing, uh, I spoke recently with a journalist in New York, Lebanese journalist who's covered sort of issues there, and he's covered issues here, and he, he's, a, he's a professor, and he's finding it very difficult to explain journalism to his students online. And this is, of course, not just traditional reporting, this is photojournalism as well, and that this, this virus... Uh, in itself prevents real journalism from happening because people need to be on the street. You need to be interacting with people by default. And it's it's actually quite nice to hear that you're you're still able to do that and also protect yourself as much as possible. So you're able to do both at the same time. Yeah, usually in my life, um, I'm a person who can't sit in one place for more than 20 minutes. <laughs> so I can't stay at home. I'm not even sure how I'm going to continue this interview. So, oh, I'm then I need like, I, then I need to. Uh, <laughs> it took it took one hour to set it up. Now we've got we've got two minutes left. I'll I'll rush. <laughs> yeah, I'm always hyper, so I can't stay at home. I can't uh, sit still. I always have to be doing something. Yeah. So for me, it's. Uh, my safe place is the street. It's not the it's not the whole house. I'm glad you say that because. Aside from the photos that we're going to discuss today, uh, the more recent sort of experience I had with your work was not your work per se. was was you doing, I think, sit-ups, be ateliers, well, first week of the of the protests, and you're just with Taimur, and you're kind of having fun. And I can imagine that this is, uh, I mean, the protests and covering the protests is already enough exercise, but you're actually... <laughs> taking it one step further you're trying to burn off more energy which i think you probably need to keep covering what's been happening especially not just the protests but the last few years of lebanese history let's start off before the recent events let's go back in time i i got to know your work mostly from the Ustink movement from the Ustink coverage and there's one photo in particular that i vividly remember and i was so happy that you shared it with me I wanted to find it and send it to you for approval, but you sent it already, so it's it's great. This photo, you know, I, I didn't know, it, I don't really know the name of the photographer when I see a photo. I just, I remember the photo. And it was a thrill to learn later that this is your work. I shared this photo with so many people trying to explain just how bad the trash crisis was a few years ago. And this river of trash... And, I, I, you know, I want to gauge your opinion on this because you, you saw 
the build-up and eventual the, the eventually the the outbursts of anger on the streets five years ago, and it centered around a trash crisis, but it also centered around other things too. And from your perspective, do you sense that the current protests are a are an evolution of those protests? Meaning that people went to the streets before and they wanted something better. They wanted accountability. They wanted a regime that that helps its citizens as opposed to punishes its citizens. And the trash is the trash issue was the bigger story, but then of course the protests took hold and it transformed into something else. Do you see the current movement as linking back, or do you see them as, as separate things altogether? That the Ustink movement was something different, and today we're experiencing something else. Well, the Stink movement started because of the garbage. But when people came to the streets, they had different slogans. It wasn't mm. only garbage. Mm -hmm. They were asking for accountability, electricity, uh, healthcare, food, security, everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the, the big title was the garbage crisis. But it had so many branches of... Uh, uh, of requests and demands and uh, and anger. Yeah. So now, what's happening now since uh, since October is just a build up of what uh, what was happening in 2015. And 2015 was a build up for what was happening before 2015. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in 2015, the the trash crisis happened, and yeah. it was a reason for everyone because everyone felt it. You see garbage on every doorstep and in every street and near the beach, in the mountain, everywhere. So people were angry for what was happening and they came down to the streets and it evolved step by step and it grew bigger and bigger until uh, our regime uh, tried to, to stop what, what was happening and mm. they, uh, they used force and they used all kinds of stuff they do until things calmed down, calmed down on the street. But hey. still, we, we still had the problem. The problem never ended. But when you said the 2015 protests were an evolution of other things, are you going back to 2005 or is it sort of a... No, not 2005. No. Okay. Five, like 2013 maybe when we had... Uh, Shab Yurid Iskat al Nizam, Nizam al Qa'ifi. Yes, yes. So we had uh, huge protests happening there. That's that's good. So the current protests are there. There's a direct link to 2015, and it's sort of a gradual, a gradual escalation of demands that sort of people reach their limit, and then you see what's been happening the last the last few months. But I want to ask you about another photo that goes back to 2015 because when you sent it to me. I honestly, I thought this was the last few months. And this is a great photo because it is the same exact location. It's next to Martyrs Square. It's in front of Samir Asir. It's in downtown. People are protesting. And you have internal security trying to sort of convince people to back off. And it's, you know, it's a consistency. And I like that you sent this because I, I really... For me, that's it's a healthy reminder that this isn't the first time we've been sort of really pushing ourselves on the streets. And it's good to remember the previous attempts. 
But in your in your eyes, as somebody who was covering the 2015 protests, did you sense a different a different relationship among the protesters and the security forces? In other words, was it harder to demonstrate five years ago? Were there more obstacles in taking your photos and trying to cover the moment? Did you sense more abuse? Or is it sort of a familiar pattern that, that hasn't changed? Before 2015, whenever you go down to the street to take pictures of any event, not event, any protest, any demonstration, any clash with police, with the army, we always fled the scene running away from people mm. and hiding behind security forces and the army. Mm-hmm. Starting 2015, when people came down to the streets under one flag and uh, one demand, which is, has, has many branches, we started to run away from the army and the police and hide behind the people. Oh, photographers hiding behind yeah. the protesters. Journalists, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Because in your photography or in your journalism, you're, uh, you're dealing with what's happening. You're just covering news. Mm. And uh, the government doesn't want you to cover the news. They want you to show their side or their point of view. Right. But when you have uh, realistic demands and uh, without any backing from politicians or political parties, then the people are the enemy of the state. And you saw yourselves as a as a reporter or as a photojournalist that you had to protect yourself that way yeah. by sort of taking... In this photo you showed me right now, Yes. he wasn't uh, moving people away. He was hitting me. I see. Yeah. Right, right. And the title of this picture was like, no, he's not hitting me. He's using a selfie stick to take a picture. <laughs> That's and <laughs> it was the first time we were like we seriously uh, that's that's one that's a very that's yeah, a, yeah we that's seriously a... <laughs> dealt with police brutality and uh, aggression against journal journalists and photographers but especially you... photographers because yeah the camera is always they always see the camera as a gun or as a, as a threat but you did you sense uh, that there was more pressure five years ago than today in terms of your your ability to cover the event did you see any sort of uh, any change in the way you're you're able to report on the streets no i think it's still the same mm. because we always have the same problems with the same kinds of people or the same kinds of security agencies right right other other than that we don't have any problem in 2015 until now it's the only protests we ever covered were we are not attacked by the people. Right. That's, that's a good when a, yeah. when a political party asks, asks their supporters to come down to the streets for a protest, it's right. a political party against the state. Yeah, that's so a good point, are, actually. Yeah. I when didn't... they're doing something, they are doing things they don't want you to see because they are an organized party, or whatever party it is. Right. But now it's the people. So the people want want the, the whole world to see what's happening and how the state is, uh, is, is treating them. You know, actually, this ties into the next photo, which uh, I'm glad you shared with me because I, again, I mean, I remember these moments, but when I see, the, see this photo, the only way I can 
determine which protest it is. It's because simply which streets are closed. Otherwise, it's the same routine. People are gathering in Riyadh Salah, except that obviously Sher al-Masarif is open, as opposed to today where it's shut down. But it's the same kind of uh, the same kind of interaction. The state security trying to basically water gun people away, and people are still pushing. The obvious difference as well is that the numbers are much bigger in October of 2019 as opposed to 2015. So that's a striking comparison too. But it's it's a repeated attempt. And there's another photo that I kind of um, I wanted to show as well. This photo here. I want to ask you just as a photojournalist, what goes through your mind when you're experiencing this really close? I mean, I'm guessing you're just a few meters away from this moment. What goes on in your mind as a reporter, just simply capturing a moment and your own sort of well-being being at stake? Are you, are you intimidated by the moment? Do you, do you run away from it just after you take this shot? Or are you kind of in th- it's, it's almost like a thrill to be there and able to experience it yourself with your own eyes so close. Well, at, at this, uh, during this photo, exa- especially, uh, we had different uh, experiences before this, like a few days before. Mm. Where I was mm. shot by a tear gas canister and it hit my my ass. <laughs> and, and I was like flying around one meter in the up in the air identifying myself as a journalist and as a photographer and I, and I was wearing my protective vest and helmet but because the, the police uh, soldier didn't, didn't want me to take pictures of what he was doing of illegal stuff so he shot me in my bag and ka- karma is a bitch <laughs> I'm not sure if you want to mention this no, that, no. that's staying in yeah it reflected from my ass and it hit his friend's uh, his friend's eye and i have pictures of when the guy was bleeding from his eye and i was like saying see like you didn't have to shoot me but then you shot me and you hurt your friend instead of hurting me you know bilghalat hasan you just advertised your ass to the female audience so yeah. they're going to be like man this is uh, <laughs> that's one firm ass if a tear gas canister ricochets off yeah. of it <laughs> that that's crazy so this photo that... came like uh, 2 days later so, so you were experiencing more uh, but you were not you're not injured and... by that by that tear gas hitting you it didn't no just like some bruises so 2 days later you you're determined to go back yeah, I didn't leave the street. Like in 2015, I was leaving the street every day, every night at minimum 1 a.m. until maybe wow. 3 or 4 a.m., depending on when the people leave the streets. Because there's something, something always happens in Lebanon. Whenever cameramen or photojournalists or journalists leave the streets, police or the army will change their the tactics and they will become more violent. So whenever you have a camera present, you still have control of the situation as for guarding the people, in my opinion. Right. And you saw yourself yeah. playing that role. We always play this role. We always mention to people that if you're not doing anything more important in like the next few minutes or hours, we're leaving. So it's your choice to stay or right. leave. But we're not covering anything anymore. 
I'm going to include another photo that we that we we didn't discuss about sharing earlier, but then just before recording, I asked yeah, permission. Before, Sorry, before yeah, you of go, course, this, of course. This photo is like this soldier is firing a rubber bullet. So this is just to see what rubber bullets looks looks like. Oh, I thought that was a tear gas. Oh, that's no, that's a... a rubber a rubber bullet. Tear oh, gas wow. usually is shot is shot up in the air. Rubber bullets are shot straight toward the stomach or like we're uh, uh, experiencing lately towards the eyes. So sorry, Hassan, what are what are we seeing then in this photo? Is it is it the ricochet of the shot? It's the it's the flare that comes out of out of the bullet when he fires it. And that's so that's a rubber burning. That's a flare from a rubber bullet. Yeah. Because rubber bullets have powder before the the actual ball. Yeah. So when he shoots it, it burns. And here I'm shooting the the photo on. Uh, on a low exposure, so it shows the movement of the bullets. I, I just a, this is a naive question. What kind of camera do you need in order to get that kind of shot? I mean, is it is it sophisticated camera? No, no. Any, any camera. Yeah. But it depends on if you know what frame are you are taking, if you have the right settings, if right. you know what picture you want to show. So you can take a similar photo with a with a phone maybe. But you have to know how to use the phone or how to take the picture right. And I'm I'm curious: is this a photo, and then that's it, or is this a, like one of many photos of that moment that you took? Like uh, this photo, maybe have three or four frames. Like yeah, from the moment he shoots till the shot uh, ended. But I'm cu- the reason I'm asking you is I'm I'm curious: are you able to kind of gauge the moment quickly and then sort of configure? Within seconds, yeah. From, or... from experience, you know what what you have to do, what mm. settings you have to to make. Like you, you can change the settings in in two seconds from this photo to another photo that you're seeing. It's right. based on experience, on if you know how to shoot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm a good photographer, but like. Uh, I mean, you're definitely you're. I mean, definitely an experienced one. If you're getting tear gassed in your ass. And, I mean, and selfie stick abuse and that kind of stuff. I think you've you've found a way to keep reporting through experience, and you are a great photographer. Uh, you know, the the reason I I wanted your permission to share this is because I want people to see just how how determined you are to take photos. And this is you being chased away. You're running away, but also you're. Your camera is running away. It's not you. It's the camera kind of taking a leap away, protecting itself through you. Yeah, what happened uh, at this moment is that undercover police were between protesters, like collecting data, I guess, or in, uh, or in the intelligence information. Mm, mm, mm. And at one point, they decided to attack some protesters and arrest them. Oh, it's fine by me, fine by everyone. They were trying to arrest you at that moment. Arrest the protester. Arrest the protester, right, right. Yeah, but when they arrested the protester, they threw him on the ground, they started beating him, they started kicking him on his head with their shoes. Yeah. On his ribs, on his stomach. And it's something illegal, you can't do this. It's police brutality and police aggression and... It's not allowed. You can't do this. And, but you were so, you were taking photos of that. Of yeah, that, I was yeah. taking photos of mm-hmm. that, and yeah. then this guy saw me, so he grabbed his uh, he grabbed my camera. Right. And right. 
there's one thing you can do to the other photographer is grab his camera. That's clear. I mean, that's you can you can beat me, but you can't touch my camera. And so he, he grabbed my camera and tried to take it away so he can delete the, the photo. Right. But then because it's my camera, I know what's worth what's worth for me mentally, not the money. So I took it away. And the moment he lost it, he started chasing me. I want to ask you just what happens at the end of this scene? Do you do you do you make nothing? I, I just ran for like 200 meters and he was chasing me. And if you look closely, you can see a cigarette in his mouth. So. So there's two lessons learned. Number one, yeah. uh, make sure you're wearing running shoes. Yeah, exactly. And number two, don't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and then you. <laughs> That's so I just ran away and came and uh, I was standing next to other photographers and it's always the same situation. Whenever you are two photographers or more, nothing will happen. Nothing. No one will come and talk to you. And uh, oh, that's why. Why is that? Is they feel intimidated? There's too many people. No, not intimidated. Because because if if I'm alone, there are no witnesses. Right. That's it. Right. And you were with and you were with people. Yeah. 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 And uh, like. At this small, at the, this uh, photo in particular, someone took a picture of me. But usually, I take pictures of other photographers being chased or dragged. Or Absolutely. Or yeah. Yeah, we always take pictures of our of our colleagues or friends mm. in extreme situations, just in case something happened, and you have proof that you're not wrong and the police were doing the wrong thing. I want to transition from the you stink protests to. The last few months that we both kind of witnessed on the streets, I saw you at times on the streets as well. And I mean, it's funny. It was a huge moment, but also it's a small, it's a small place at the same time. So familiar faces are all over the place. And I saw you on a number of occasions in, in downtown throughout Beirut, just sort of capturing the moment. And you shared this photo with me. And, you know, it's one of those photos that you, you kind of, there's been so many photos of the last few months and a lot of them are just social media photos and I think it's just people with their camera, with their phones, just sort of snapshots of the moment. This kind of photography that you're sharing here, this takes a little bit of dedication and patience and it's not something that you can just do simply, I think, with your iPhone or your Samsung. You correct me if I'm wrong. But this type of, you need to kind of just get everything right and then sort of capture it. And I hope I get this right. This is this is near Riyadh Salah, but it's not in Riyadh Salah. It's it, at the entrance of the Esqua building. Oh, okay. So it's on the other side. Yeah. Okay. And where are you taking this photo? I'm on the bridge leading up to the Sarai or going to okay. from downtown to Hamra. I'm glad you said that. So this is from the ring. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so a camera, iPhone, you can't really do that kind of technology. You can't do that zooming in. You can't it's, get that. It's not about technology. It's like mm. photography is different from photojournalism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In photography, you take photos of anything. You show it in a, in a in a photographic way. In photojournalism, you have to show what what's happening. And this this to you is the. That's the differentiation. This is a photojournalist. Yeah, you had yeah. so many photos from October 17 till today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you can't, 
it's not right to say that all the photos are photojournalism. It's not right. It's not. It's not possible. I want to ask you if you can if you can help dissect this photo because it's just a woman. She's not confronting the protests. Uh, sorry, she's not confronting the uh, the army or the security. She's just sort of she's turned away. But it's also a lonely experience, and I think it's one of one of intense reflection. And it's that she's standing between the rubble and the security. And I, I, I don't know, it's maybe to me, I over romanticize these moments. But to me, it looks like uh, a very lonely journey, but one that's necessary. And it's somewhere between destruction and and in a way intimidation. And I see a lot when I when I see this kind of photo. But maybe I can ask you what you see when you when you take this kind of photo. Maybe it's yeah, at this exact moment, protesters who were who were blocking the parliament entrances were confronted by protesters from other sides, from political sides. Oh, this is okay. So this is going back to November, I guess. Or uh... this is no, this is recently during the vote of confidence for the government. Oh, when this they is blocked the entrances. In in yeah, uh, like... was it February? I don't remember. Uh, February, I guess. Fe- February. Okay, yeah. yeah. So just before coronavirus sort of becomes... Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like two, two weeks before. Mm-hmm. So here, all the protesters who were standing in front of the army, not fled the scene, but they moved to the sides because other protesters came and started throwing stones. So this woman stood right. on the ground. She was standing between the rubble and the army. And she was facing the other protesters. But she's not... Like she was saying, I'm yeah. not afraid of you. You can come, you can hit me, but I'm not moving. Like, I saw all of this. Like, this the photo you, you're seeing now is like, it's a collection of so many ideas in your in your mind at the moment. And it, it's all summarized in one photo. And sorry, she's telling the protesters, I'm not afraid. These are the anti-protester protesters. Yeah, this woman is from the anti-government protesters right and she's telling the pro she, she, she wasn't saying anything yeah yeah other protest other uh, political protesters were approaching this this point right right and she was just standing there she's like for me she's saying i'm a hijabi woman i'm not afraid of you you can come beat me if you want yeah and i'm not even afraid of the 50 soldiers behind me yeah yeah and I posted it on Facebook, and someone said, "Like these are the moments I, you always look for in journalism." When I posted this photo, a guy randomly—I I never met him in my life—and he said, "This is my mother." Oh. Yeah. Oh wow. And, and it was shared, and it went viral because people were sending like Ajmal al Ummahat, uh, Mother's Day, stuff like this. Can I ask you? And my caption was a woman is worth a thousand women because usually it's yeah. a woman, a, a man is worth a thousand women. I'm, I'm not sure what. what the, uh, yeah, well, I'm, it's, it's there's something there. <laughs> One of those yeah. is. But can I ask you, do you? When you take this kind of photo, do you know that this moment is important? And then you, do you do you sense that this is the kind of photo that's going to be shared? To the point that yeah, the, sure. the the sun the, the moment w- that the, the moment you take the picture, like I mean, in in photography especially, mm. it's not like video. In video, you hold your camera and you take rushes, and there are no still movements. 
Right. But in photography, it's all saved in one moment. It's uh, not variable. It's not changing. There's not an, there's no distortion before and after the shot. You just see the shot. Yeah. And every assignment, like you can't say all the photos I take during an assignment is a very good photo. But every assignment has one or two or three or five photos that are really good, that really shows what's what's happening. That makes sense. So this is this is, you sense it at that moment that this is going to be a. This is a, you know the difference yourself at this moment yeah, between I, yeah. I took yeah. like six or seven hundred photos before this one, but the moment I took this with this photo, yeah. I knew that it's better than from most of the ones I took. That's incredible. I, I even took yeah. good pictures after this one, but for me personally. I only shared this photo from this day because it meant things. Yeah, and I'm guessing you've you're tired at this point too because you've been covering these protests in and out, in and out, in and out on a day to day basis. I'm guessing also some exhaust exhaustion plays a role that you're kind of you're maybe hoping for this kind of a moment to emerge. I'm I'm speaking purely as a photojournalist, not as a pro, not as someone supporting the protests, just as a career. I'm sure that there's a lot of emotional sort of uh, wariness over time that you want, you're waiting for this kind of moment to emerge yeah yeah for sure like uh, if you want to explain the photo it's, it's somehow a sad photo but at the same time it's a happy photo it gives you positive vibes positive yeah. vibes for women <laughs> positive vibes for confronting the army positive yes. vibes for standing for your rights yeah and maybe she was feeling the same thing but she's ex- expressing her feelings by standing there. I just showed what she was uh, feeling, I guess. And yeah. the photo is what I felt during this moment. I think it's incredible that the son would let you know that this is his mother and that she pro- I'm sure she knows afterwards that, you know, there's somebody taking my photo. And I'm sure she doesn't know that she's that she's part of something right there. I'm sure she doesn't. She doesn't realize that she's going to be viral. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even see me because yeah, I was exactly. like at least at least a hundred or hundred fifty meters away from her, and I was on the bridge on top, and she was looking in front of her. She wasn't she wasn't looking to the sky or to the bridge yeah. to see what's happening. You know, I also like that she's not. I mean, she's not necessarily dressed for a protest. I mean, she has a yeah. like a, a a purse, and she's she could be going out to a cafe i mean it's not like it doesn't look like a protest moment but it also speaks volumes that anyone can be there you know from from a middle-aged woman who's just out and she's not afraid to a young woman sort of ready to charge and all types of society kind of joining in at that moment but no I, i really like that photo and i you know there's another one that you shared with me about the protests and it's something that i saw myself and this is going back to the moment where protesters started making their way up to Baabda. And I think this is either the day of our own speech or maybe hours before. I don't remember exactly when it was. It was either one, it's within 24 hours of that speech. People start going 
Yeah, it was when he did the televised interview, I guess, and he yeah. said, if you don't like Lebanon, you can emigrate. Right, right. And, then and you... that's, what, uh, that's what, uh, what's written, written on the banner the, the girl is holding. Right, is Mish Ajbak Shab? Intahajir. yes, Intahajir. Yeah. So, can I ask you, though, you are, you're taking a moment that I thought was very critical, where people were, for the, for the first time in, in decades going and protesting against a president in Ba'abda. It happens to be the same president, <laughs> the same figure in Ba'abda again. But there's a there's almost like a circular moment here that people are fed up with something that's gone wrong. In this case, it's the president. Uh, and his speech was not well received. And then you have this kind of a moment. Did you think that this was a an, a critical moment in taking the protests, not just out of Beirut, because it was already happening in Tripoli and Saida, and even all the way to Pshari, you had people protesting. So it wasn't it wasn't Beirut centered, but that people were heading towards a location that they haven't gone to in recent memory. Did any of that sort of resonate with you while you were there? And I I ask you because for me, when I was watching this in Beirut, I was watching it on TV. For a moment, I thought that this would change things that the, suddenly the state itself was being challenged properly for the first time it wasn't uh this wasn't something that would just sort of go away that this was a permanent movement did any of that resonate with you yeah sure and my opinion is marty square and Yad Salah are not made for protests whenever you want to do a <laughs> protest you have to protest where you can make effect or where you can make your sound uh, heard. Yeah. So what uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter the like the idea the destination matters. Like here, the the president said something. Not sure how to describe it. And the only good way to to respond to it is to go to where he said it. Yeah, but but. That, uh, but it, for me at least, it's the first time in in my lifetime that I saw that institution being challenged by people. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because you've seen people talk about it on occasion in in TV interviews and maybe sort of the the boring politics that we all are fed up with. But this was something different. And can I ask you? How, I mean, you explained this to me. How do people actually climb these signs? Because I. I only... There are st- stairs on the sides of the poles. Okay. Usually you, you need a small ladder to reach the first step. Right. You know, this to but me... The people <laughs> have so many inventions to climb there. Yeah. And this photo in particular, like this woman holding this banner was mm-hmm. down on the street. And we all took pictures of her down. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the photo, it's a woman holding a banner standing in a street surrounded by flags and people. Yeah. It doesn't show where she is. Yeah. Even if my caption says it's at the presidential palace. But when she climbed up the pole and mm. she was standing in front of the banner, you see the presidential palace sign and you see the sentence that's written. Right, right, and right. And you know by, by substitution that this banner is addressed to this location. Yeah. And of course that it it's quite nice that on this highway sign, it's every location that 
she's trying to challenge is literally yeah. right above her. I mean, yeah. it's sort of in, in order. I'm going to now go to another photo where this to me was two things. It was, uh, it seemed necessary and at the same time frightening. And this is, I mean, this happened many times repeatedly, but I'm, I'm guessing this is the earlier stages of the protests where the roadblocks were happening all over the country. Uh, and this, this yeah, photo sorry. Happened, this photo happened after the second speech for the president. Okay, so, so I'm guessing no, November. It must was be after the immigration speech. Okay, so oh oh, it's re also reaction yeah, to because the any, okay. every time he he went uh, on TV and spoke, things would escalate. Even like sometimes, nothing would be happening in the streets, and then yeah. he does a speech, and people will come down to the streets because people are fed up with uh, nonsense talk. You know, and I, I looking carefully at the photo, I can tell it's it's uh, Jamezi, the entrance to Saifi village and Jamezi, because yeah. Burj Al Ghazal is just yeah. kind of on the right in the corner. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm, this is, I mean, disagree with me if if you if you if you feel otherwise. I, to me, when I see this, and I I know I'm not, in no way a journalist or even close to what you're doing in terms of just capturing the moment as the viewer, as the audience. It, it brings up two things to me. It brings up something which seems necessary, which is civil disobedience and people closing streets in any way possible, trying to send the message that they're fed up. And that in Lebanon, there aren't many avenues to do this, and this is one effective way, and it did work. Blocking roads. Also says something to me, which is there's a, there's a threat of violence. Even though, even though, and I... I want you to disagree if you if you feel uh, if you feel so. There's nothing violent per se in the photo. No one is being attacked. There's no there's no injury. It's somebody who's helping burn tires on the street. But the image, the image of that kind of fire, the black smoke. The image also of maybe um that there's a bit there's a the aggression even if it's well placed, it seems to be the the underlying threat that a peaceful moment can always have maybe a a turning point not necessarily blaming the protesters i'm just saying that this photo to me it brings up those two emotions necessary and also caution and when you're taking that photo what 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 goes on in your mind and does any of that go on in your mind or are you seeing something completely different well the first thing that comes to my mind is it's really hot because you're so close to the, to the fire and you're almost yeah. melting. So even when you take the photo and go back, you can touch the camera and it's really burning and it's about to melt. I, I should have asked you that's a stupid, <laughs> my stupid interpretation. I should just ask you, how <laughs> did you burn? No, of course. Like it's a yeah. physical feeling. Yeah, like no, as that. A, as a mental yeah. feeling, no, it's, uh, it's everything you said. Uh, mm, mm. You see, for me, it's violence, but it's, uh, it's peaceful violence. It's not, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. he's not hurting anyone. Probably just hurting air pollution. But right. Nothing else. Yeah. I mean, people are angry. They have to ex express their feelings. They either burn tires or destroy stuff. They can't beat anyone, and they won't beat anyone. 
are are you I mean, how close are you at this point? Are you zoomed in completely or are you are you like I can't really tell from the perspective. For taking the photo, you mean? Yeah, because if you're getting that kind of heat, I'm guessing you're very close. Yeah, very close. It's a, it's a wide angle photo, but like you have to take it up close to, to, to show mm. everything. You can take it from far away, far away, but most of the time you'll, you'll have obstacles in front of you, people passing, blocking your, uh, your photo, blocking right. your view. But when you come as close as possible, no one will, will come in front of you because it's really hard. This moment that you capture, the protester, who's part of the shot is there any any problem there in including him in this photo no like, did you no. did you get any any protesters telling you we don't want to be in your photos did Rare, any of that happen rarely but when mm. it happens they don't have a logical reason like sometimes he's wearing a protective face ma- face mask or anything i mean <laughs> and i tell yeah. them they, they come to me and say oh we don't want our picture taken and i, and I yeah. say if I show this picture to your mother, your mother won't know you, because nothing, nothing is obvious about you. So you, there's nothing to complain about. And he doesn't go when, home with that with that yeah, mask on. <laughs> even if he went home, like at the moment, yeah. you can't be afraid from anyone because no one will know your identity. It's so hidden right. and nothing is obvious. And then when they you... when they hear my point, yeah. they agree to, mm-hmm. okay, keep the photo. I'm not arguing anymore. But, but is there it, any? It rarely happens. It, it it, happen. Well, can I? I'm I'm curious though. When it does happen, and then it becomes a problem, is there anything you do to kind of de-escalate the situation? I mean, have you ever had to delete a photo just to get somebody off your back? Uh, like personally. Oh, by the way, it's my uh, it's my wallpaper photo on the desktop. This one. Oh, this photo is your yeah. desktop. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just I just noticed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when this happens, it's uh, like most of the time these people will see you again in another protest, and they will ask you, "Can you please send me this photo?" Of course, yeah. right. That's interesting. And so this, they want. This always yeah. Happens. Like you can't argue with me at the at the at the at the moment, and like. 15 minutes later, you come and ask me for the food. So the same person. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. They they will have. OK, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, you know, like the, just some some silly stuff. It's not it's not really serious, but uh, no, but these are these are the small kind of side stories of a photojournalist. I would never think of in terms of somebody wanting you to share their photo or send them. Also, the same person would be, you know, a bit off put, you know, just get get me out of your camera. Or send me your send me the photo. That's interesting. Yeah, some people sometimes would would say I work at this NGO. We're not allowed to come to the street, or like they work with UN right, agencies right. where they're not allowed to come. So you understand. I mean, it's not a crucial photo. It's not something. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's fine. But when when the police ask you to do this, no, what do you, do? you can't. And it happened yesterday during I, I took a photo of a, of a riot policeman mm. with, with drawing money from an ATM next to a protest where people were destroying the Audi branch. I, you know, I, I'm glad, so glad you said this because that's yes, I, this is a photo I wanted to share as well. And you, so you the, the actual riot policeman saw you taking that photo. 
Yeah, his friends were standing outside, and they came. I we, we, like, we, I was with two other photographers, and the mm. three of the three of us took the, the same picture, like from different angles. Mm-hmm. And one of one of us deleted the the photo, but me and my friend okay. we said no, it's our right. You are in the street. You're not doing anything illegal. Like, you get your salary. You go withdraw yeah. it from the bank. Yeah. You're not stealing the bank, so you have no point for your argument. Right. And he wanted to make a small fight, but then usually we are very stubborn. We don't accept easily, and we never accept. So he went and he called his officer, and his officer came and he said, "Okay, were you stealing the bank? Fuck off." Don't talk to them. It was his like. <laughs> it was his his words, and the policeman was looking. At him. We said, like, it it could have ended two minutes ago. There was no need for this whole argument. And uh, I I like that photo because it just like the woman between the army and the rocks, not intimidated. There there's photojournalism aspect to the photo you're describing now, and. Do do you? I'm gonna ask you two questions here. The first is: Do you sense that the authorities are more concerned today about bothering a photojournalist than they were in 2015? Because this scenario is hard for me to imagine even now that the higher authority would come and say, "Leave these guys alone." That that is so for me. It's so bizarre to hear that, and it's a good thing. It's a positive development. It means we can't really bother. We can't go after these people. Is, do you get any of that? Is that is there some development there it, in terms it of? It happened so many times in 2015. We had oh, so many. We had so many fights with the police yeah, about yeah. Uh, limiting our rights or limiting our movements. Mm-hmm. But we always fight back. We always have proof. We always have pictures and videos of them attacking us or. Uh, Right, restricting right. our movement yeah. until uh, October or maybe November when we had this big protest at Sakant al-Hilo, the police station yes, yes, of course so we were shooting there we were at least 20, 30 photographers cameramen and journalists reporters mm-hmm. police were coming out of the police station in three groups the first group that comes out, come running out, facing the the gate exactly, where we are standing. Right. And then, like, a minute later, two groups will come up to Marlies, and the other one will go down to Konishir Matran to, to run after protesters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had a big fight. They attacked us at least 15 or 16 times. They hit Al-Jadid reporter, his cameraman. They attacked me. They attacked Al-Akhbar, the photographer. Yeah. A future photographer, anyone who's present. And we had a big fight at the moment, and we were shouting, and we were on live TV, and TVs were doing promos that uh, you can't deal with your issues by beating journalists and photographers. And the next day, we arranged a protest at the Ministry of Interior. But is is that I mean is that a do you sense there's a shift in attitudes to in, in attitude towards photojournalists that they're more tolerant now than they were before it's, because you kept pushing and you kept sort of insisting? Yeah, we, we always we always push, but we never mm. get hurt. 
until we we organized this protest at the Ministry of Interior. Okay, right. And we placed right. our cameras on the street and we said, so these are yes. our cameras, we're not holding our cameras anymore. And then the yeah. Interior Minister came down and apologized for what happened. And uh, she gave orders to the internal security management to stop mm. uh, attacking photographers and journalists and we saw it immediately the same day like we were covering the same stuff we were covering the night before or the month before yeah yeah and no one was even talking to us or looking at us that that is i mean it's, it's good to hear yeah. that there's been it's, some it's yeah. good but we never know how long it will last yeah of course yeah because it happened uh, during Nuhad al-Mashnu it lasted for like two three weeks and then things came back to, to normal which is not that's normal. going back to the you stink protests yeah yeah now yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's been a longer time so yeah since november only limited like very very limited cases but it would uh, it would end right at, the, the, at that place it won't escalate right which is something well, good Absolutely. And it is something good. And I'm going to just include this photo here for the moment, because to me, I I mean, I identify the protests as this kind of a photo. And I know that there is there has been I mean, you, you've shared many different types of photos of the moment, whether it's, you know, rubber bullets or tires burning or intimidation or all of the above that we all witness. But this is also very important too, the joy. And I think uh I mean, there's there's hundreds of thousands of photos like this that you can just find anywhere. But I think also you kind of managed to capture a very strange moment to me, which I liked. I mean, the <laughs> I think you kind of saw, I see a few things. First is that the joy is very obvious. So it, these three girls are so happy and you captured their, their joy. The other thing is for a moment, for a moment, she's holding her camera away from the protests and she's just experiencing the moment herself. And I, I'm emphasizing this point because it's kind of like, I mean, this is a strange analogy, but you go to a concert today, people are not watching the band playing, they're filming the band. You go to a speech, people don't really pay attention anymore. They're just sort of there filming, filming, filming. And the protest movement... I saw many people just taking selfies or taking photos of things, but not really just not capturing the moment properly. And when I did see it, it was very, it was a, a rare opportunity for me to be like, finally, you know, you're, they're enjoying the moment. Get that phone away from the, and I say this as somebody who defends photography. I'm not insulting a photographer here, but I think both are important being able to experience the moment and of course, capture the moment. And I think both are in this photo. You see, you sense joy and you also sense people documenting the moment themselves. And I associate the protests with this kind of uh, moment, just a sea of Lebanese flags, happiness and, and hope, which is rare, I think, in, in Lebanon today. And, and you sort of, uh, you nailed it. That's a, that's a very sort of, uh, to me, it's, it's an important photo to share. Of course, just after that, you have this kind of photo, too, which is equally important. These actually are fireworks. Oh, these are, okay. Uh, political protesters, not anti-government protesters. 
So they were trying to attack Riyadh Salah area and uh, police right. for the first time decided to stand uh, in their way and they had fireworks and they started firing at the police. So here it exploded between yes. my legs and between the police and I actually burned one of my jackets. Like the flare came between my uh, my vest and my jacket and it burned it. Between your legs too? So like Yeah, because they were shooting uh, lots of fireworks. So it, it was hitting everywhere. You know, sooner or later, Hassan, you're gonna be you're gonna not be able to go to the bathroom or procreate. Like both are going to be both are at risk <laughs> between your ass and now your <laughs> your no, package. Was, I think it, it was next to my feet, not not out. <laughs> oh, okay, good. So you're still in the safe zone because I know your camera is important, but something else is important too. We need to make sure that that makes it out too. <laughs> okay, so. I can tell from the background, this is next to Al-Khanda. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing this is, you correct me if I'm wrong, this is above Riyadh Salah, and the ring is Yeah, just behind? like the building on the left is the new Taj building. Oh, so this is, this is in downtown? Yeah, in downtown. So in the, in the parking is, lot. The ring is just behind the tree you can you see in the photo. Yeah, exactly. The ring is behind. Okay, yeah. right. You were able to come from the protester side up yeah. towards the towards internal security. And behind them is where the pol- political protesters are sending fireworks. Okay, yeah. so you're kind of, in a moment, you're with the internal security yeah. being shot at by fireworks yeah, because this is our work you always cover what's happening it doesn't matter what what which side you're covering or which side you like most you always cover mm. what's happening in front of you like before two or three days before this one we weren't al- not not allowed like they wouldn't let us stand next to them to take pictures but when then when we took pictures like right. this they came and asked us for the pictures like this there's a an irony here, like, yeah. you can't pre- prevent me from doing my job two days ago and now ask me for the pictures. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. it doesn't matter how much I hate you or how much I don't like what you're doing, but it's my job to cover what's happening. But I think it's also quite revealing that when they are being attacked, they are in need of evidence too and they want you to be yeah. the the they want you to be able to document the moment too so it's almost yeah. like a catch-22 yeah yeah but usually okay, i for, don't give photos and i yeah I, I, I certainly don't give photos with people's faces and i try as much as right. possible to to keep to keep people away from photos like all my photos have people in them but like not in a in a, in a direct way even yeah. if I'm shooting something very controversial or uh, uh, intense, I always ask people, if you don't want to be in the shot, either move or cover your face. So you give them because, fair warning. They, yeah, they know that. I, I don't okay. want to be yeah. a problem in the future. You yeah. saw me yeah, taking yeah, yeah. a picture. It's You have two options. You either leave, let me do my job, or do whatever whatever is safe for you for yourself. This photo here, which is next door in Martyrs, it's still technically in the Martyrs Square area, but it's right before they closed off uh, Samir Asir from Martyrs Square. And I I can't really tell if this is a recent photo or one going back 
to the fall. It's the, it's the same day as the woman standing in front of the army. Okay, so this is also la yeah. late last year. Yeah. So this shows um, you how how my my movements are spreading across the city. <laughs> right. Yes, but are you? I mean, this is a silly question. You're seeing somebody throwing a cone. Are you just standing there waiting for this to happen, or do you? Do you sense that this is happening and you run towards it? Because, I mean, okay. this is not an easy shot to, to get. Just this, sort is, of... this is something in photojournalism. You see a yeah. photo somewhere in the world. You know you like it. And you know it's nice. You always keep it in your mind that you want to do the same thing. But sometimes, because you're in a different country, different situation, the right place, the right time, sometimes it's not possible. For me... The moment I saw this guy dragging this cone, I had the photo already in my mind. I mean, even if it, it would hit my head, I have no problem taking it. So, but I mean, you're you're just on the street when this happens, and yeah, you run like, towards. Yeah, I came it? running like 30, 40 meters just to reach him before he threw it. Oh, so okay, so you sense the moment is happening. Yeah, because yeah, you always okay. you always uh, monitor everything. This is, yeah. this is the thing in journalism. Shots don't come to you. You have to to look for it. That's interesting. Yeah. So you're actually keeping an eye out for yeah. the right moment. And okay. This one actually has a title if you want to hear it. Yeah, please. Yes. Uninstalling VLC player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> But I, I I assume most people will know what you're talking about, so I'm not going to explain it. But that's hilarious. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> you know, and I also like that there's somebody in the photo by chance. I think by chance also climbing the wall, trying to get up too. So both are happening. There's the sort of lobbying and the attempt, and VLC player uninstalling. <laughs> funny trouble you now with just a few photos of the coronavirus and a lot of the photos you've shared online are just sort of deserted highways and you're usually on an overpass i think one is on the way to saida it's just an empty road uh it's it's things that you don't know in lebanon empty highways i i don't know these moments and i wish part of me wishes i was there just to see that for once complete emptiness and the corniche is also sort of visibly empty and, and these things. But you took a lot of those photos and you also took human photos, too, of, of uh, coronavirus activity. And I like this one here. Uh, I don't know which hospital this is. And it may, might be Rafi Hariri, although it I'm not the, sure. It's, it's the Rafi Hariri hospital. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, there you go. See, I'm not bad. huh? I can actually do that. Really, yeah. So you have, I think... A photo that is shared around the world people on the on the front lines of this pandemic helping people and the human side to the story and you are i think if i got this right your photo is really about them taking photos it's not necessarily you taking the photo per se you're 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 photog you're taking a photo of people taking photos whether they're on the crane or even in the hospital too, you have people taking photos inside. Was this kind of just like a, a photojournalist's dream come true where everyone's document, documenting the moment together? Or is that irrelevant here, that it's just a nice nice photo that you took 
where people happen to be outside and sort of uh, happy. Well, I, mean, yeah, I, I tried. It's yeah. half half. It happened okay. by coincidence. I was going to the hospital to take pictures of ambulances going uh, in and out the hospital, and I I heard music, so I came to the other side and I saw cranes. It was an NGO called Ahla Fauda, organizing yes. a music event for patients and nurses and uh, the staff workers. Oh, so they're in the back. They're not in the photo itself. The uh, the the music is being played somewhere else. The music, like on the on top of the crane, there's a guy playing oh, the violin. Oh, of course, there it is. DJ. Yes. And the windows, okay. you see the nurses, the patients, the coronavirus patients. They are all cheering, clapping, taking videos and photos of the event. Right, right. There. So the speakers are there too, of course. Yeah. yeah. That's that's okay. So that's but it's also a positive side to the coronavirus, yeah, <clears throat> the human so, story. It's one of the only positive stuff we yeah. we documented that uh, for, for the coronavirus. Although I would I would argue something that the nature being slightly recovered at times, not that yellow sky above Beirut and the water just looking just a little cleaner and the sky is a little bluer and the air is a little cleaner. That's also maybe an unintended positive side to the story that nature is just a little little bit better off actually water is super clear not a little bit clearer right yeah like now if you stand on the corniche you can see the seaweeds actually moving and growing like i've never seen seaweed at anlem race the same way i <laughs> yeah. saw it last week yeah and i think i mean in a way the whole world is experiencing this but in lebanon it's it's more relevant just because how polluted yeah. things are that it makes a difference. It stands out quickly. Um, another coronavirus shot where the shelves are full and she's picking and choosing which kind of cheese or butter she wants. And I think that's the kind of luxury that I, I have not experienced, at least in, in New York. The, and the only difference is, is uh, the shelves are full because the prices are high. So even right. if you want to go and mass do mass shopping, you can't afford it. That's interesting. So this is because yeah. of the finance. This is the price issue. It's not. Yeah. Uh, it's not because. Yeah. 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 Like now you can see the card. This card has at least two million worth of products, which, which uh, a few months ago would uh, would be like a hundred thousand Lebanese. Yeah. Well, the last photo of coronavirus is, um, I believe, it's this one. Yes, and. I, I like something that you can do and anyone can do, but as a photojournalist, uh, you're, you're taking, of course, you're documenting how coronavirus impacts a family. Also that they're stuck, I mean, is a family stuck together, but they're also taking precautions in their own car and that they're all smiling. And I like that. Even in the middle of this mess, they see someone taking a photo and they decide to smile for the moment. And you can kind of just, just tell from the angles that they're smiling. This photo made me smile, and I don't know what it is about just this. There's a humanity to the moment that is sort of profound, that we're all in this together. It doesn't matter who you are and where you are. The whole world is going through this, and they're still in it for the smile. Like They're willing to, to you know, pause and kind of <laughs> celebrate in a what sense that they're going to be in someone's photo. <laughs> People in Lebanon like to be in photos. Yeah, like, you don't. I'm, yeah, yeah, you don't have this issue where everyone is uh, arguing with you all the time, or uh, 
Yeah. I mean, you have that. You have freedom to take pictures in the streets. It's it's by law. But still, if he asks me to remove the picture or don't take the picture, I will abide by his uh, recommendation. His I mean, if there's if there's anyone in the photo, I think that didn't want. It's probably the kid. The kid's a <laughs> smiling but concerned too. It's like, who are yeah, you exactly? Yeah, he was shocked uh, at the moment. Yeah, but I'm sure the parents are like, no, no, it's fine. It's Hassan Shabin. <laughs> <laughs> He's taken our photo before different protests. <laughs> Hassan, the last two photos I want to share are just photos that you released uh, last night and or, or early this morning. Um, the first one, this is, I think, in the Fu'ej Heb Tunnel, if I'm not mistaken. It's the Ring to Hamra Tunnel. Ring to Hamra, exactly. And it says in the graffiti in the background, And I wanted to discuss this photo with you for one reason, is that I've had this conversation with many people on this podcast about whether or not this protest movement is a purely domestic moment where people are calling on accountability and reform and things that are Lebanese only. They want the Lebanese state to work for its citizens. And the other side of the issue, which is whether or not this fits into a geopolitical story. And I think that photo explains it. It says that this is not geopolitics. And when you took that photo, did Arafat's quote about Palestine through Junier, that story, that famous quote, Nusl Harib, did that did you see that moment and then the sort of the protester and the and the graffiti and that this is purely a Lebanese story? Did any of that sort of hit you when you were taking that photo? Well, we live in a different uh, part of history now mm-hmm. where you hear the same sentence that's been told by political parties mm-hmm. where they mention that any activity that you do that they don't like always will lead you to Al-Quds, which is not true. Right. Not, not anything you do in Lebanon against a political party or a political personality is something about Al-Quds. Yeah. So if I'm asking the government to provide me with health care, it's not about Al-Quds. But you're, you're able to then yourself, you're saying that this is a domestic issue. Yeah. That we've had nothing to do. Like, yeah. This, this photo is a purely local photo yeah i mean if you say if you send it to anyone with a translated caption they won't get what's happening they won't know what's the ring yeah they don't they won't know what the sentence means but for us lebanese we know what the sentence means yes that leave leave the geopolitics out yeah. This is about Lebanon. And it's uh, the only thing that made it good. Like people took the, this sentence on, on this wall before. Mm-hmm. But the army guy who was walking and there are no, no people present in the photo is what made it uh, a bit powerful. Like sending, yes. uh, sending a direct message. Right. The last photo. I want your, I want your immediate uh, reaction to. It's a photo, I think this is from yesterday's uh, protests in Beirut. This is against Bank Audi, and sort of, this is attacking the facade of the bank. I I guess this is in Jamezi or the Medkhal Saifi village. It looks familiar. 
I hope I got that right. It's facing Burjogazet. Okay, so it's the same location, right? Yeah. It's at the sort of, yeah, near the ring going down. I'm, I've been away since late January. So I've been in New York for the last three months. And this photo, when I see it, two things uh, hit me. The first is desperation, that people are desperate in April. And that violence has become the norm to a point. And this kind of attack is born out of l deep frustration. Other side is that I really worry about the future of the country. And I really am afraid that these kinds of moments can degenerate into something that's difficult to manage long term. And that violence and anarchy could, could define the next stage of Lebanese history. You're documenting the moment, and this is all fresh, and we don't really know how all of this will play out, in the, even in the short term. But there's a sense of that low levels of violence are becoming the norm. Do you sense, as, again, I know that I'm asking you as a photojournalist, but just through your own eyes, having covered all of what we've seen, do you sense that there's a tipping point here that it would be difficult to go back to when it comes to, when it comes to just in terms of day-to-day -day security? Not state security, nothing too big here, just the personal well-being of the citizenry and sort of this kind of attack that this may degenerate into something ugly? I guess it's uh, it's all political. You can go to whatever point you want to go. It's, it's only a political uh, political issue. Mm. I mean, politicians have... I'm not sure if they have the answers, but if they stop talking, you can easily get back to wherever you are. Yeah. It's easy. Because... Like if you compare it, if you compare Lebanon to Greece, what happened in Greece like a few years ago, financial issues. Now Greece, it's not booming, but, at but least it's, it's it's stable. Yeah. Yeah. And if so you, you want to compare Lebanon to, let's say, Venezuela, yeah, we're we're much better than Venezuela. So that's interesting. You see a way out in that sense that some a political solution can get us closer to Greece and that kind of recovery than anarchy in yeah, Venezuela. It's, and it's it's easy. It's easy to. I'm I'm not a politician. I'm not good at politics, but I know it's easy. Yeah. I mean, you can simply just force uh, supermarkets and grocery shops to to limit the prices. This is the first step. But when mm -hmm. you ask the economy minister that eggs are expensive, and he say, ah, oh, you can just stop buying eggs and things will go back to normal. This is bullshit. Yeah. And you can take the same example for other ministries. They all have the same answers to anything. Right. And they have the answers, but they expect you to give them the answers. Okay, people gave you the answers during the 2015 Ustink movement. You didn't take any of their, uh, of their requests or... Uh... So, this is it. You've been very kind at explaining many things, from your own career in photography to the differentiation between photojournalism and photography, uh, to the patience needed and the risks taken. Uh, and I think there's a 
almost a um, it's a unique opportunity for me to be able to gauge the mind of somebody who's been my own sort of view on what's been happening. And a lot of these photos have resonated with me over the years. And I feel very lucky to be able to talk to you about these photos. Uh, so all your information will be in the details box. Uh, people will get to check out other work you've done. And uh, I hope you keep your ass intact and your front package safe. And most importantly, your camera. Keep the camera well protected. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the streets of Beirut once I return, once all this goes back to relative calm and relative normal. Because being stuck away during this moment in time is frustrating in itself. And I count on sort of people like you to let me experience it while I'm abroad. So thank you for your time. Yes, I will take you through a tour of my own. Okay, but I, I'll, I'll come with my own sort of uh, yeah, <laughs> astronaut I'll suit. You, and... I'll take you through a journalism tour maybe or a protest tour to see how things uh, work out in the street i guess I'd, I'd i'd love to i'd love to i might learn a trick or two on how to take a better photo as well so i'll, I'll learn a bit from you thank you hassan thank you thanks for listening and a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through patreon or paypal all links are in the details box below until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>